Well, that's over. <laughs> well, I thought I took care of that uh, earlier inside the uh, inside the program, but obviously not. Welcome to Forgotten People. My name is Steve Pisa. I'm your host today. Uh, we've done one show earlier uh, this year about uh, people in uh, Skid Row who have nowhere to go, disenfranchised, mentally ill, who are lost and need advocates to stick up for them. Well, we haven't stopped there. Today we, we go into Black Lives Matters. This has been a tumultuous and a, a very chaotic few couple years or weeks with George Floyd uh, being murdered. But you know, it doesn't stop with George Floyd, man. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's, it starts with, with a lot of other black men and women who have been murdered by the police department for many years. Now, let me give you my experience real quick. I'm a first-generation American born here in 1973. My father came from Sicily. I am black Sicilian. My mother came from Japan. They met each other here. I was born in America. I was born here. I'm first-generation America. I have, even myself, being white, have incurred lots of racism, an incredible amount of racism. And as a lot of comedians would say who are black, nobody would wish for you to be black. Because it's completely different when you're black. Now, I may only have a couple of shows left, but I'll be honest with you. I pay, with this, pay for this show with my own hard-earned money, so nobody can stop me from talking. So I'm going to keep on going. But I've had a lot of people be very upset with me for protesting and speaking up for Black Lives Matters for these past couple of weeks. I've been protesting Every single day, I've been cleaning up the city at the same time, every single day. And uh, it's very strange to me. You know, I, I, you know, I've been arrested several times in my youth for whatever 1970s reasons or 1980s reasons you can bring up. It's just baloney. Just always baloney. Never prosecuted. Just crap. And I always wanted to be a cop. I went to cop college for forensic pathology and criminal justice. I went there for five to six years before my father became really ill and needed a new kidney. So I changed my, my major because he refused to take my kidney because he knew I wanted to be a police officer. So I changed my major to English literature and film. And uh, I was right next to getting my degree for criminal justice and forensic pathology. And during the riots in 1992, I was a second-year college student, and I protested then. And at nighttime, I would go to the city and clean up, the same thing I'm doing now. I both represent the police department, I, I respect them, and I respect what they do. And I want to help them out because I understand how hard it is to be a police officer. At the same time, as a citizen, it is my God-given right. It is my constitutional right to protest peacefully, 
protest. We're not talking about looting. You know, and that's that's the issue I have here. I have people saying that looting and rioting is the same thing as protesting. It is not. Listen, if you didn't have Martin Luther King on Selma, Alabama, protesting, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have the Civil Rights Act. And if we didn't protest during these past couple of weeks, you wouldn't have those other three officers being imprisoned. You just wouldn't have it happened. And I had somebody say to me just just a couple minutes ago, hours ago, say to me, you, we, we may not have the same values, values, by the way, but we're both martial artists. You know what? Let me tell you something. I'm not a martial artist. I've been training martial arts for well over 30 years. I started off with judo when I was six years old. I went to taekwondo later on after that. I went to kung fu when I was in my early, early teens. And I, and I started teaching professionally. And I'm a grandmaster in kung fu. And I am not a martial artist. I'm a warrior. A warrior. And what's a warrior's first job? To protect other people. That's a warrior's job. It's to protect other people. So... Don't compare me to martial artists. I'm not a martial artist. That's what you are. You do physical shit in the air. You know, you you like to practice punching bags and that kind of crap. I'm a warrior. I'm a real warrior. And I stand up for those that are disenfranchised. I stand up for those that are in pain. I stand up for those who can't protect themselves That is my number one job as a warrior. Why did I become so strong? Why did it become so powerful so I can just stand still and do nothing? The only way for evil to exist is for good people to stand and do nothing. Well, we have a great guest today. We have Charles Carpenter. I've been talking for quite a while here, so I'm done. I'm done. Let's let's have Charles come in here and uh, say everything he wants to say and I'll just shut up. Here we go. Let's give him a clap here. Hey, Charles. How are you? Good. How about you? I am. Uh, I am. I am hopeful, and uh, I. I thank you for having this forum and giving people an opportunity to voice their opinions and share their thoughts. You know, it's interesting. Everybody invokes Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And well, they should when it comes to uh, civil rights and, you know, protests such as this, but he said something that I find interesting as the narrative continues to develop and evolve. And that, and that was that, Riots are the mouthpiece for the unheard. And that's been. We didn't hear that last part, Charles. Say it again. Hold on. And that is what? You're breaking up, Charles. Where where you can hear me? Can you? There you go. That work? Yeah, that's it. 
Paul. Charles, we're, we're losing you again, my friend. We're losing you again. Yeah. It's uh, not working. Uh, it's not. Okay. Uh, how's this? Is this better? That's it. Okay. You can hear me here? I can hear you there. Okay, fantastic. I will hold very still then and hope that this <laughs> this does the trick. Let's start back at Martin Luther King. Okay. So everybody evokes uh, or invokes the spirit of Martin Luther King when it comes to moments like this. And, um, you know, everyone is very quick to quote his I have a dream speech which was beautifully written and he was an incredible orator and those words make a lot of sense something else that he said though uh, as as we talk about this was that for those whose voices are unheard and one of the things that we need to understand when we're moving through this time is that these testers are not looters and the looters are not protesters. Let's, let's get that clear because you are always going to have that sect of society that wishes to work solely for their own selfish and private benefit. And as such, they are going to take advantage of the anarchy that can arise from peaceful protests. And you yourself said it very well. Tushin says that we have the right to peaceably assemble and protest in petition to our government for what we want to change. This country was built on the back of those who were protesting the wrongs that were laid down upon us by the British government. Were we not to stand up and have the courage to protest those faults that we found in that system of governance, then we would have a king today and we would sip high tea at four o'clock, which I think is a great practice, but (laughs) we are no longer under British uh, rule or more specifically English rule at at the time and that's something that I think people so many people want to cast dispersions or cast dispersions that how and how this is just a they problem and a them problem but it cannot be it cannot be any longer and in the spirit of those protests those protests and I'm talking about back when we were fighting for our revolution the American revolution it seems as though there is a revolution that I do hope is beginning to catch on today when we were fighting for our freedom from underneath King George and English rule. There were moments of violence. It became a war. And this is a war now when we jump ahead to 2020. This is a war we as an American society have been fighting amongst ourselves from the minute we brought a disenfranchised and enslaved people to these shores. We presented an obstacle that needed to be overcome. 
because you cannot establish a mindset wherein you have some being superior and others inferior and think that that is going to go away. It has been inculcated into the minds and the hearts of those people who have lived that life, who have been brought up to believe in certain unequivocal truths that they hold to be total and complete. And the problem with systemic racism is just that. It is a malignancy that exists at the level of our socioeconomic and political strata. The pain that I saw, that I felt when I saw Mr. Floyd cry out, I can't breathe. Well, I've, I've heard that before. Eric Garner in New York could not breathe. Right. You know, you have Trayvon Martin. You have Ahmaud Arbery. You, you have all these instances where a young life was taken. And young, I mean in terms of the vitality of the person. May I just stop you for a second? Just God bless Trayvon sure. Martin. You know, you know, Trayvon Martin was such a great kid going out mm-hmm. to get Skittles for his little sister and gets gunned down for, for nothing, man, nothing. Please continue. Well, and, and yes, and, and, and I, I pray for the repose of his soul as for the souls of all people who have been attacked and killed unjustly. And this is people of every race, creed, denomination, white, black, green, blue, brown, orange, yellow, fluorescent. A crime is a crime. That having been said, there is a preponderance of evidence that shows that it, the majority of these people who are being subjugated and ultimately executed are black. It's interesting. You know, I was, my father was one of the most brilliant men I've ever known. Proud black man. He taught me to be a proud black man. Some people will say African-American and I, I can, I say, if that is how you define yourself, fantastic. Right. Right. I was, I was reared in the seventies and eighties be a proud black man. So that's how I define myself. And, and that's, that just, it just, it goes to say well, you, that you, but, you, you and I grew up in the same generation, in the 1970s, 1973. So it was a different year, different generation where there was no Instagram, no Facebook, and we were proud black men. Uh, correct. And so when I speak to this, and this goes to a, another larger point, I, when I speak to this, I am not speaking to, belittle or insult anybody who refers to themselves as African-American. Right. Great. I am, I say I am black, by the way, I am also, I am also Latino on my mother's side. I am Mexican and Spanish. And so I have a very, and I embrace both those cultures because I, I was reared in a home where I speak fluent, fluent Spanish. My mother came to the United States from Mexico in the early 60s and then met my father here. So I have had a very unique perspective of seeing racism play out 
in a number of ways. And so I just want to speak on that very quickly. Um, yeah. But, but to, my, to my original point, we are now at a crossroads. And in every revolution, there is to be anger. There is going to be rage. And the only way we can move through and get to the healing and get to the growth is if you see that that incendiary emotional state has been has been courted because no revolution comes without pain we have systemically been ostracized been degraded been looked upon as the lesser being for goodness sakes there are writings that say we were three-fifths of a person and that is an ideology that still remains to a lot of people there is a lot of hate speech that refers to blacks as it's as animals as dogs as mongrels and so for people now moving forward to see this and to say, oh, you know what? It's just all of them looting and rioting. And, and oh, you know, this would, this would go so much better. It would prove their, their point if they just stayed calm. I will tell you that the majority of the people did stay calm. I will also tell you that the majority of police officers are good, kind, hardworking, loving people. I have police officers in my family. I have LAPD officers in my family that I love with all my heart. I know them yeah. to be good people. So you cannot paint everyone with a broad brush. And unfortunately, that is what our system has done. It has painted black lives with a brush that says they are not as critical or as important. If you look at May 14th, 2020, there were protests in Michigan against the self-imposed or the safer at home order and the, the quarantines uh, passed down by the government. You had men in full body armor with Sub, uh, with, with semi-automatic weapons, submachine guns, storming the Capitol. Now, what kind of bedlam do you think would have taken place if those faces had been men of color? Right. And that is the problem. And everyone listening right, right now can say, oh, yeah, no, but that was peaceful and everything was fine. But just sit with <laughs> that image. Sit with that image. If, if they were if they were black, those... they would have they would have been killed. They would have been murdered were... in front of our face, and people would have said it would have been just. And that is the systemic problem. You know, there's something else that you know. Are there are a couple things that I want to dispel right now. Please do not say ever that hatred from a black man to a white man is reverse racism, because that is the most ignorant statement that could, be, that could be spoken. Let me tell you something. Racism is racism. If you do not like me because of my ethnicity, you are racist. If I do not like a white person solely because they are a white person, and I give them no credit for being kind or good or moral or just or anything that they probably are, I am being racist. The reverse of racism is acceptance. 
So <laughs> <Right>. let us not <laughs> let us not dance this dance. Oh, it's reverse racism. Right. No, that is an uneducated statement spoken by people who, for through perhaps no fault of their own, have not chosen to be educated on these topics. And again, right. I get it, and I'm a, I'm especially sensitive to it because. I grew up in a household where there were Mexican voices, Spanish voices. Uh, my mother was from Leon, Spain. My, my, or my grandmother was from Spain. My mother was born in Mexico and then came here to America. So there were those Latin voices. There were also the black voices. And I didn't, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you an interesting story about that. I didn't even realize I was black until I was 16 years old. And uh, my my. my <laughs> girlfriend uh she had this three-way calling feature at the time that was the new feature i'm dating myself but uh we had a conversation and she said you can't ever come to my house my my dad's house she was divorced she was living with her mother or her parents were divorced and i said why i said i'm sure he'd like me let, uh, let me talk to him she said no you want to know why and i said why she said okay you got the three-way calling thing call him call me and then you just be quiet so I stayed quiet. The last thing he said before he got off the phone with her was, if you ever bring that nigger over to my house, I'll shoot him dead. And that was the first time I realized, wow. oh, gosh, I guess I'm black. Okay. All those United Negro College Fund commercials are about me. All right. Okay. <laughs> now I guess I, know, I guess I know where I stand. That is insane. Um, but that is the thing. And that is, yeah. that, is, that is the endemic problem. And that is what I have been I have seen all my life. So I am acutely aware of racial tensions because I have grown up with them. When I was, when I would hang out with my black friends, they would make fun of the Mexican kids. Oh, the Spicks, the the wetbacks, the blah, blah, blah. When I would hang out with a group that was mostly Latino, they would make fun of the black kids. Oh, oh, tar babies. Oh, this, that. And, I don't think either one of them quite realized that all the time they were both making fun of me. And then right. I grew up, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. So guess what? All the white kids made fun of all everybody else. So right. I've been insulted a lot and I've been insulted on purpose and I've been insulted accidentally. And I have, I'll tell you, it is, it is almost an easy pill to swallow when it's on purpose because when you accidentally do it, when you don't realize that your ignorance to the situation is causing pain, then you actually think that you aren't doing anything wrong. And so we cannot right. grow as, as a culture because of that. There is, there is a need for systemic change because the system has been designed to oppress those people of color and here's here's another thing that i want to i hope this makes things clear when people talk about white privilege it does not mean that white people have it easier in life that they don't have to work hard for the things that they get that they haven't had to suffer and nose to the grindstone and work and work and toil in order to be successful it does not mean that at all what it means is that your race is not a detriment or a stumbling block for your success that when you walk into the room 
you are not going to be immediately placed in a category of a lesser common denominator because you walk in and you are tan or you have curly hair or you are very dark-skinned or you have some name that is difficult to pronounce. I have seen racism come at me from every angle and in every way because there are I am races that really hurt. I have, I have a friend of mine who is a very nice guy. He is a, he is a Polish gentleman, good guy, funny. I, I, I can't say enough good things about him. But when we were younger, he said to me in front of all of our friends, he, and I think he meant it as a compliment. He said, Charles, you are a triple minority. You are black, you are Mexican, and you are smart. And everybody laughed. <laughs> and, and the thing is, wow. those people who laughed, they didn't understand that that laughter was a quiet acquiescence to that viewpoint. That's right. And, and that is what now people are seeing needs to be inherently remedied. It needs to be changed. I spoke with somebody the other day, uh, Grandmaster Steve, and, and, I, and I say that with honor because uh, you and I have trained. You, you've done so much for my life. And uh, as, a, as, as somebody who is a, is a practitioner of the martial arts, it, it's, it's helped me to find a sense of calm and a sense of peace through all this. And so as we move forward, together as a nation it's important to see this system has set itself up so that you want to fall back to the status quo um in our in our system of martial arts there was uh there was something that that one of our other grandmasters had said he said you know the body wants to go back to its natural position and if your natural position is uh sedentary and is resting and you don't move a lot, then it's going to be hard for you to get up and start to move, to do right. what is necessary, the, the requisite traits necessary to develop in order to make something become habitual. Through that habit, you, you elements of your character, and that is what causes the change. But given to our own devices, we would readily go back to just being sedentary if that is our default. Right. Our national default is, oh, man, for them. Yeah, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. I'll, I'll pray for right. you guys. I'll, and I have nothing wrong. I, I have nothing against I'll, I'll stand back here in my safe little corner, yeah. and, and I'll pray for you, bro. You know, I hope you're yeah. all okay. I'll stand back over here, and I'll pray for and you. To God every night. I pray to God all the time. I've got two I trust me. I have I have God on. So do I. My my, my, my God tells me to get off my fat ass and get out there. And and that's it. And the reason why now and and, uh, I was speaking to a a friend and he said, you know what, Charles, I've had a a hard time dealing with my friends, my my white friends who are saying these things that that I, I don't understand. They're talking about how, you know, it's all about the rioters and the looting. And and I said, here's the thing. Let's take a step back and let's understand that your friends are not bad people. I don't want people to lose friends over this. I do want people to have constructive and positive discussions, but to know that white privilege 
means that you've lived a life wherein you don't have to fear just because you step out on the street. You, you, you know, Charles, to... you know how many, you know how many situations that I would be in prison right now if my melatonin was different. If my melatonin sure. was, was different, if I was black, you know, this is something my, 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 my roommate says to me all the time, that if you were black, you'd be in jail for just saying that, for just doing that. And this is way before this happened. Because I would tell her mm-hmm. stories and stories and stories of what I've done and things that I've said and people I've protected. She's like, Jesus, like if you were black, you'd be in prison. And it makes me laugh at this moment right now when people think there's no difference. Really? There's no difference? Like, as a, <laughs> come on, man. If, if you have never had to worry when you see police come up behind you and begin to think, okay, if they pull me over, this is what I've been taught. Put my driver's license and my wallet on the dashboard. Put my hands at 10 and 2. Roll down the window, look down, and just be very subservient. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. If you haven't felt that, if you haven't felt as though if the sirens come on, oh, my gosh, I might not make it out of this just because it's a routine traffic stop. If you haven't been pulled over and denigrated and insulted solely because of your race, if you haven't felt the sting of people looking down and laughing at you just because of your color and that it differs from theirs, then listen, good on you. I'm very happy that you haven't felt that because I don't wish that on anybody, but I have repeatedly time and again, and it is something that hurts and it's vile and it's painful and right. it is emasculating. You feel weak and petty because no matter what you do, I have had to tell my children, I'm going to brag on my kids. Both of them get straight A students. They're straight A students. My son, an incredible athlete, he's in seventh grade. He's already being looked at by high schools for, uh, for certain sports. My daughter has a 4.7 GPA. She got a full-ride posse scholarship to the University of Wisconsin-Madison. She is, going to, she is going to double major in environmental science and pre-med. These wonderful, beautiful souls, they're both active in the church. They both are active in the community. They are both kind, upstanding citizens. They both brush their teeth after every meal. They're, they're right. good people. They're, they're incredible, to, incredible people. Thank you. I have had to tell them people are going to look at you and place you in a lower class of beings, even though you are powerful and you are strong and you are kind, just because of the cast of your skin, just because you guys look like you're not quite white. Let and me ask you this question. you're not quite white, you're not white. Right. Let me ask you this question, and it's—I I hope I don't offend you. I really hope I don't. But, but have you ever thought that there's a, a thousand white males that would be happy to date your daughter, but there, those thousand white males would be pissed off if your son would date their sisters? Well, those thousand white males would have to survive the ass whooping I'd had down on him first, just because that's a dad's instinct. Uh, and hey, 
By the way, that goes for the thousand black and Latino and Asian and any other males because I'm a dad. Nobody, nobody should. Be oh no, if I'm second in line. You, you and I, you and I will be. We'll be story of. We'll be that. We'll that story of like. What are you doing here, motherfucker? <laughs> exactly. If if I could keep if I could keep my daughter cloistered until she was thirty and then let her out, but I mean maybe no that's shit. just my problem with that's males the Catholic, in general. So, that's the Catholic yeah. in us. That's the Catholic in yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. I, I'll be honest exactly. with you. Yeah. But no, and you know what? Here's here's the thing. Um, for me, I want my kids to be happy. Fall in love with where your heart moves you. Black, white, green, blue, yellow, brown, red, purple. Whatever moves your heart. Also, that includes that includes gender. That, that I, I want right. I want I want them to be happy. And if my daughter or son were to come out to me and say, "Hey, Dad, I want to tell you I'm 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 gay. I'm I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community," I would hug them and say, "Great." I'm not familiar with that community, so. Wow, we were living in such complicated times, man. I'm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But but that's the thing. But teach me. Teach me what their pain feels like, because I know what I know what it feels like to be marginalized. I do, so I can empathize. But again, but I am straight in that regards. The societal norms culturally, I I check the box that fits in. Because I'm straight. So I can empath being insulted because of who you, what you look like or, or, you know, what classification it is that you assign yourself. But I would want to know more about, okay, here, what's going on with this community now? Let me, let me become a part of that. And I think that that is the thing that now white America needs to see that, wow, you know what? You guys really are dealing with a lot of issues that are painful. You guys really are dealing with a lot of issues that are hurtful. And you're dealing with issues that aren't going to go away because it's easy for everyone to say, gosh, I can't wait till things get back to normal. Well, the pandemic has shown us that normal is going to be a word that very quickly becomes obsolete. because Based on perspective, uh, yeah. Exactly. Based on perspective, what is normal? What is how how is normal going to going to be reassigned and reevaluated? How how do we? And, and by the way, we're still in a pandemic, so right. lest, lest we forget, how yeah. how is that going to affect our lives? How now is this moment of racial consciousness and awakening going to affect our lives? Because well, I've got to tell you, I don't want I don't want things to go back to normal because normal no. has not been good for a lot of people. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. Please, God, no. I want to let you talk. No, you're right. Normal has not been good for an assortment of people. Uh, you know, I was I was trying to say that you know when I was um, doing my 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 picketing when I was doing my uh, my my thing, I was wearing my mask the entire time. And I was trying to tell these police officers what a great job they were doing, but they couldn't mm-hmm. hear me. They're like, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. What's going on? So I took my mask off <laughs> and I started speaking to them I'm like, you're doing a great job. I'm very proud of you. Are you keeping safe? And then I put my mask back on and I'm like, oh, my God, this pandemic sucks. And this whole situation yeah. sucks. You know, for, for all of us, it's, it's so 
weird, you know, because I've never been in this situation before where there was a, a pandemic and two, you know, an unrighteous act. And this has been a long time coming. You know, let me, let me ask you a question about uh, Drew Brees. You know, Drew Brees mm-hmm. from the, um, do you know what Drew Brees came out with from the, um, from the Saints? Yes. He came out with a comment about talking about uh, Colin Kaepernick and him doing, you know, he doesn't believe in, in people, uh, you know, disrespecting the flag. And then today he came out with an apology on, on Instagram or what have you. And, you know, it's, it's the constant argument with human beings that just, I don't know, maybe their ears are flooded with wax or maybe they haven't experienced anything in their entire life, but they go back to this stupid flag story as if nobody has experienced the flag or their family gone to war or their family fought for justice or that kind of baloney where, you know, I've had all of my family go off to war. Every single family from Sicily, Pan, everybody's gone off to war. And the reason why they got off to war is so we can properly protest and we can take one knee down and we can do what we need, do what we do. And this guy talking yet again, like he doesn't understand why Colin Kaepernick took a knee really stands, stands the view of like some, sometimes people just don't understand. And well, his entire you know, I think, go ahead. I, I think that it's the latter, not the former. I think that people just if you haven't experienced the sting of being denigrated solely because of who you are, not because of your viewpoints, okay? Not because of any affiliation other than you walked into my line of sight and I have now made a decision that I do not like you because you are Asian. And you brought flu over here, or you are are Mexican, and so you must be an illegal or have an illegal family member, or you are black and you are just worthless, and all you are good at is sports, and all these things that have been propagated by society. If you have never felt that, if you have never felt that, then you don't understand how it virtually a molecular level and people will say oh yeah okay come on yeah but i've gone through my stuff and yes everybody's gone through their stuff and this is where i say i want to understand your point of view again i made the statement earlier i do not begrudge a white family for working hard for being successful for moving into the suburbs and never having to look back at where they had to come from to get to where they are. But you have to understand that there are people suffering every day. There are people who fear for their lives every day. And the fact that you don't have to, the fact that hearing sirens in your neighborhood is a rarity, that's a great thing. But that is the norm for so many people. I have to tell you, I've had to have conversations with my kids. You are not going to be liked. You are going to be in danger if you make some moves. Your friends who are white are going to have different life experiences how, than you how, are. How, pain, how weird is it and how painful is it to have to explain to your children that they are different than just a lot of people in America? Well, you know, it's 
again, everybody right now is having this social awakening and it's painful to people because it's like, again, I liken it to a workout. If you want to have a six pack, you got to get up off your butt and you've got to eat right. And you've got to do your, your cardio and your weights and your, your martial arts or whatever it is. And you've got to keep that up. You can't just have one hard day of working out and then expect to be ripped the next day. And I think that that's what a lot of people were expecting to happen with George Floyd's murder. We were going to be pissed. Everybody was going to be mad. We were going to have, it's going to suck. The writers are out. Oh, but Hey man, it's their fault. If all the, if all the black people just didn't riot, everything would be fine. And then we'll go back to normal and we'll, we'll just go back to having it the way it is. And now people are seeing that it can't be that way. So they're going through, because what happens when you work out the first couple days, yeah, it's pretty cool, but then they've got to right. work through it. You've got to, you've got to work through that lactic acid buildup. You've got to get yourself back in the gym. You've got to condition yourself to seeing it and making a change. And for me, I am conditioned. My entire life has been training. And for a lot of white people, this is their first time in the gym. It's painful. Mm. And it's, sucks to see and it sucks to feel and it sucks to go through but it must be done by all of us to affect a change just and and this goes back to when I was talking to my friend understand that some people have lived really privileged lives and they don't have to worry they don't they've never had to worry about race being an issue they've never had to worry about if they go up, I love, I love going up into the Sierra Nevadas. I love it. It's a beautiful place. And most of the people are very, very kind and loving. But as in every place, there are bad apples. Does that mean that I think all white people are racist? Absolutely not. But I've right. experienced it. And right. I am cognizant every time I go for a trip up there. Where do I stop? What gas station do I pull off at? Who's, uh, right. Oh, okay. You know what? I see that there is a rebel flag on the back of that truck there. Maybe I should take my family to this other spot. Maybe this isn't the best place. Maybe just so that I don't set off an incendiary situation just by my presence, I keep going. If you haven't ever felt that good on you, that's awesome. I'm so happy that, and I hope you never do have to feel that way, but that exists. It's, it's a prevalent truth. So I deal with it, but in, in, in saying this, I also say, understand, there are people who, they are not racist, they just want things to go back to normal so that we can all get back and kumbaya and, hey, you guys, I'm going to pray for you. It's awesome. Do I don't know. I call them racially. I call them. I call them racially compliant. You know. I, you know. I, I have a hard time with that argument there. And I'll be honest with you. You know. I call them racially compliant because, you know, we can't go back to where we used to be. It was never good where it used to be. It was never fine where it used to be. I had racism pulled on me when I was a kid. And I'm telling you, what I used to think all the time was, thank God I'm not black. Thank God I'm not black, because if I was black, I'd be dead right now. Because I'm pissed off. I'm angry, and I'm walking everywhere that I'm angry. And the only reason why I'm not arrested is because I'm, I look white. You know, yeah. so, it, and so that that racially compliant bullshit attitude 
of, you know, let's go back to way, way, the way it was and why are these guys doing what they do? And I don't agree with you, but I understand. Fuck you, man. I don't understand that attitude. I really don't understand that bullshit. You know, I, I don't understand where you're going through, but I, or I don't agree where you're going with it, but I understand. You know what? You're compliant. You're being compliant. You know, you're, you're tweeting and Instagramming Black Lives, Black Lives Matters and all this bullshit. But in reality, you're not doing a goddamn thing to change anything in this world. And I don't understand where you stand. You know, and, and I, I, I faced this so many times this, this week in these past two weeks. And the, and the problem is we have social media now. So now we can, like, look at each other in the eyes. What? Yeah, well, you know, so now what do we do? One of the most important aspects of our culture and of, of society to affect change is to get out and vote. Vote for the people at the right. state levels, at the city levels, at the local levels, because they are going to be the boots on the ground to affect change that is going to and, happen to you specifically. And, and, and how many times have you and I spoken to black people and, and, and black men inside of our classes who said they didn't, they mm-hmm. did not vote. Like Rumi yeah, Jack said he did not vote. Mm-hmm. He was, he was an, he was an ex Navy guy. Let me tell you something. You guys need to go out there and vote. Everybody needs to go out there and vote. Vote your conscience. I, I don't care who you vote for. I really don't give a shit who you vote for. Just vote. Yeah. Vote Everybody your, vote. vote. Vote your conscience. Vote for what you want, because that is where you have a voice. Also, Get involved in civil activism. You can look up the Internet is an incredible tool. You can find a number of different organizations near you where you can call in. You can walk in and say, hey, do you guys need a hand? How can I help? What are the things that I can do? Because, you see, I want to be an agent for change and giving people options, and they just don't understand. You can call your local NAACP. Say, hey, do you guys have any ideas of where I can go and lend my voice and lend my services? You can go on to to different websites. The Internet is right. Okay, uh, political activism. Just type that in. Where can I go? Where can I make a stand? How can I show up and help? so that I can begin to educate myself so that we can have conversations at parties that actually raise the level of discourse in this society. You know, right. you were talking about Drew Brees and the, uh, the issue, his issue with the flag. That argument was usurped to make it appear as though these people were insulting the flag. That's not what he was doing. He was saying, I am kneeling. Kneeling is a sign of respect. You kneel before that which you see as important and as powerful. You kneel when what happens when somebody gets hurt on the field? Everybody because we're honoring that person who's down until he gets back up. They were kneeling to say there is so much political injustice and civil unrest and crimes that go on undeclared and underinvestigated and unspoken that I'm letting you know that maybe this is going to be what people need to see. His knee on the turf did nothing, but the man's knee on George Floyd's neck, the officer's knee, resulted in what we have now. I bet you everybody wishes they would have paid more attention to that degree of peaceful protesting now, don't they? Right, right. Because that's what it was. It was a peaceful protest. It was not 
a protest done to insult the flag of the United States of America, a flag that I love, country that I love. But understand this, this country has not always loved in its universal norm the way it appears. And once that argument was usurped and money got involved behind it and it became weaponized politically, then the entire point of it was lost. And the people, those white people who needed to understand that these crimes against us, my black community, these crimes are not just an us issue. It's everyone. Everyone has to deal with this, and everybody has to be involved as an agent of change. So again, vote. Vote your conscience. Log on to the NAACP. See where you can go. See what activist groups you can call up and be involved with so you can get up off the sidelines and into the game to make a difference. And so again, going back to my friend, I said to him, do not be mad at your friends. Just understand that their view of life is rather myopic because you can only view life through your own prism until your eyes are opened to other realities and other factors that go into how you determine what is right and what is wrong. Drew, B- Drew Brees later came out and he apologized. Right. And I think that that was, I think that that was very big of him to do because just not being racist isn't enough. It's not enough anymore because that's how things were. To be you, somebody breaks into your house because the police can break in and they shoot you dead. Oops, wrong right. house. Sorry. Right. Nice to be you. Didn't with a no knock with a no knock warrant. With a no knock warrant, right? Exactly. And by the by the way, you have castle law, so he shoots back, hits a cop in the leg because he doesn't know who's breaking into his house. And you put like nineteen slugs into his girlfriend who's working for us for the coronavirus, it makes zero sense. And why he's still in prison makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. If, if, imagine all these names that we, are, that we are, are speaking of. Imagine if any one of these men were to be white. Right. Just, yeah. just imagine. Yeah. It would, you know, that's, and that is the systemic indignity that has that, that, been cast down upon yeah. black people, people of every color, black, brown societies in America, because to be a white person, then all of white America would wake up to the fact that, oh my gosh, I could get, I could get murdered in the street for no reason other than being right. white. Right. Well, welcome to America. <laughs> yeah, welcome to America. <laughs> what a great song, and uh, and is really really privy to today. You know, you know, we we don't have an extraordinary amount of time left. You know, but I, I wanted to bring you on today because I've known you for such a quite quite a long time, and you're, you're so articulate on a on, on a uh, a thespian level. You know, I mean, you're way beyond like a, a, a like a preacher. You're 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 articulate to the point where like I I, I want you to like calm down so people can understand what you're saying. <laughs> we we talk about this in the last <laughs> interview. <laughs> it's like nobody understands what you're saying. <laughs> but but uh, well, I that's, you... that's <laughs> good. That's all right. They can they, they can uh, the 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 Cliff Notes version of this will be out in a little while. So they can... <laughs> 
I love you, man. You know, yeah, I, I always loved hearing you speak, and uh, I wanted to hear you today. But I want to, I want to hear the the letter you wrote on Facebook about somebody calling you the N word. Oh, um, yes, sure. You, uh, I, I, I wrote a poem the other day because, well, you know, I just. Uh, I just wanted my voice to be heard and I wanted it to be heard so that people understand kind of my experience. So I can, I can read it for you now, if you'd like, if you want to you go, for, you do whatever you want to do. Okay. Um, these are, these are my feelings in, in, in a nutshell. And so I, I, I titled it. And though I cried, I have been called a nigger in front of my wife, daughter, and son. And though I cried, lose heart. I have been wrongly accused of aggression by a white woman, only to have a recording surface that shed light on her lies. And though I cried, I did not doubt in the goodness of people. I have been harassed by law enforcement. And though I cried, I did not lose my belief in the rule of law. I have had to tell my children that, though they are powerful of spirit and pure of heart, there will be people who quantify them as lesser beings because of the cast of their skin. And though I cried, I did not lose my faith in inherent human righteousness. I have been assaulted because of my mixed lineage, and though I cried, I stood before my attackers with honor. I have seen the malignancy of hate. I have felt its sting. I have been cut by its bitter edge, and though I cried, I have never lost my love for humanity. We are beings of noble cause and lofty intellect, and though we may all now cry, I know we will heal and see a beautiful tomorrow. I know this because I have cried, and I am still here. And that is how I feel. I feel hopeful. This is going to hurt, and it's going to hurt a lot of us, and it's going to hurt yeah. in ways that we were not anticipating. You know, we are burying our dead because of a pandemic. We are burying our dead because of violence in the streets. We are burying – problem is we are also burying our faces in the sand to the injustice and the inequity that is all around us. But I am hopeful. I am hopeful that we will see a brighter day, that we will see the tomorrow, that we will be imbued with a new sense of purpose and social morality. I truly do believe it. Sometimes you don't see the monster that's lurking in the shadows because you don't want to look there. Right. Because that monster's isn't going to get over to you in the light. But if you have to live by it, if you have to live near it, you have to live around it, you know it's there. And so I don't begrudge people of any race or color for their views and the way they have lived their lives. But I am saying that the way we have lived as a society is and must be ready to change. Because going back to how things were 
is an impossibility because how things were puts me, it puts my son and my daughter and in turn my beautiful Sicilian Irish wife in danger. Mm-hmm. And right. They do not deserve that. It's something we both have in common here with the Sicilian heritage there. Well, how do you feel about those, you know, you're, you're, how do you feel about those other cops? Because I'm half Japanese and I'm half Sicilian. So how, how do you feel mm-hmm. about those three other cops being arrested? Because, you know, watching Tao Tao being arrested was one of the greatest things I've seen since Kobe making a, making a three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel that, well, you know, the thing is, the video speaks for itself. And the more insidious crime is that these other police officers allow this to happen. Right. As martial arts. The only way for for evil to exist is for good people to do nothing. Correct. Absolutely. That is a powerful statement, and it really bears truth right now, today, more than ever. You and I, as martial artists, understand what it takes to subdue someone. And when the person is down and you, they are no longer a threat. Right. You can move in. I do not know how they were trained, but I know they were not trained to put their knee in his neck. Are, are you trying okay. to tell me that you, that me and you could not take George Floyd and stick that fucker in a car? I mean, seriously. Precisely. Or I mean, come on. That, or they, or they, or they were absent or not paying attention when they were taught tactics in their in their. They obviously, uh, did not learn anything. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what they learned. But it was and, so, and so that's easy. To I don't, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want it to devolve into me insulting them. That's that's not what I want for this. That's not that's not how I like to approach things. But I will say this: the man was incapacitated. We all saw it, and there is no technique that requires you to apply pressure for eight and a half minutes on anyone. Right. There, there, two, there and, is, two and a half minutes while while he was unconscious. By the way. Correct. And the, the most insidious po- part of that was that the other officers looked on and did nothing, applied their pressure or did nothing and shielded him from any recourse that could have been given to the people around him to at least try to ask him to get up. The people couldn't even talk to him because right. the other cop was in their way. Right. They couldn't plead with him because he knew that this other man was shielding him. And it is that degree of apathy, that level of disinterest in the care and well-being of your fellow man that marks this problem as truly horrific. That, That is the insidiousness of systemic racism, that it is allowed to exist and propagate under the auspices of saying, oh, there are some bad apples, but most of us are good. Well, those bad apples are in an orchard that is rotting at its <laughs> core and needs bad. to be I replanted. I hate that word, bad apples. Yeah, I hate that word, bad apples. Now, you know, that bad apples comment now is just lost its sting so much. Yeah. You know, let me and ask now, you again, a again, really, yeah. No, no, so, quote, really please, quick, I just you. wanted to say, look, I, I, and I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I do truly love the police in my community. I know they have done a lot of things wrong, but hey, there have been a you, lot you of... Have there have fa- been a you lot have of- family in the police department. You have family in the fire department. You have a, I, I mean, I, I know you quite well. 
So yeah. we're friends. I, I so have, so you, I have, you a, have a lot of family and military. So you have a lot of place to hold here. Yes, they and and they are great, wonderful people. A lot of our, you know, a, a lot of the cookouts, the family events that we go to, there are a number of police officers, firefighters there, and they are great people. And I've seen so many instances now beginning to appear, because so often, um, so often violence is what brings the media cameras to a location. Right. And so. So now that that violence has taken place, let's stop and let's look at these moments of beauty where officers are kneeling down with the people in their community. They're shaking hands. They're, they're hugging each other. There was one beautiful image of a young black boy who was crying, a teenager, and the officer right. was consoling him. That, that, was wonderful. Is the, that, is, that is the beauty that is at the heart of what it is to be an American. But let us understand that we have miles to go before we sleep, before we can see that as a community right. take on that. What, what should America do from this point on? You know, as, as we protest, as, you know, things aren't burning anymore, but as we protest and as we go on, as we keep our eyes on the ball, what is important to you? that things get done in America? Uh, well, again, the most important thing, number one, vote. Exercise your vote. Exercise your right to be in this country, to have the, the God-given right. The, well, God gave us life, but to have, have the right given by the Constitution <laughs> to go right. out and have your voice be heard. Right. Become politically active. Don't allow this death, the next in a series of deaths, to allow us to fall back into the complacency of noncommittal behavior. Do not allow for that to be the case. Have conversations that are difficult because that's how we raise the level of discourse amongst us all. Become active. Understand that just like you may not know what it's like to be black, I may not know what it's like to be white, but I know that both are beautiful and we can uphold and espouse each other's positivity and goodness. But in so doing, understand that there are millions amongst us who have been systemically denigrated for our entire lives and our fathers and their fathers before them and their fathers before them. Understand that our white women are, or our white women are beautiful and should be uplifted. Our black women are beautiful and should be uplifted. Our Latino women, our Asian women are women of every creed and nationality. And if I'm forgetting any grouping, native American women should be uplifted and held by a, to a, to a, a beautiful lofty standard and not have to worry about being attacked and not have to worry about violence committed against them solely because of who they are and what they look like. Let's understand that these are conversations to be had and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable. I've been uncomfortable for years, but it hasn't 
jaded me, so I hope. I still look at Everson I see and immediately want to extend love to them. And if that is not your view or you don't quite understand that, allow for these conversations to take place so that maybe Drew Brees, you hear the voices and you understand, oh, hey, maybe I got this wrong. Maybe looking at it from my perspective isn't necessarily the only way to take a look at this. And this is white to black. This is black to white. Understand that you can't just label every white person as a, as a racist or somebody who's hateful. Right. But again, just being not racist isn't enough anymore because I know a lot of not racist people who have let racist stuff happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I, you know, I thank you for, for letting me be on and for letting, uh, for having, and for, for you to have the courage to put this program out there. Yeah. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm not, I don't think I'm going to have much of a show after this, you know, a couple I have a couple of people coming on after you, maybe about four other people coming on, you know, and I'll have probably about another 10 after you, but you know, to get sponsorship after that and, and, and support after that, I, I don't think I'm going to get it because I've, I've, I've had so much aggression and so much hate come at me from protesting and from putting on the show of, 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 it's not a black lives matter show. It's, it's really a people have been disenfranchised show. And, uh, I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to have uh, much of much of a following, but thankfully I, I do this on my own money. I pay for it myself, so nobody can shut me off except for myself. <laughs> so I'll keep on well, doing it for as, as, as long as I can. But the important thing to me is that voices are heard and things are are done, because I've been fighting this fight for a long time. And, and if you don't mind, let me let me tell you let me tell you a little thing. There was a 32-year-old woman while we were protesting, and she was yelling at this cop. She was yelling at this cop, and she tore up her paper and, and threw it down to the ground. And I looked at her, and I'm, I just thought to myself, like, what the fuck is your problem, you know? Like, I, you know, I've been doing this, like, all of my life. First of all, when you're screaming at the cop, he stops listening to you. That's number one. And number two is the reason why you protest is for everybody to understand you. So everybody can communicate properly. It's for people to understand where you're coming from and for everybody to come together. So when you're, when you're screaming like this, so I saw a lot of people that were more mentally ill at a mm-hmm. certain point that were really kind mm-hmm. of articulate and knew their point. Mm-hmm. It was kind of weird. Yeah. And then after that, I saw a lot of people who were just to me, who said to me, we have a different point of view. That's what they said to me. We have a different point of view. We have a, we have a different value. And I didn't know really what that meant. Because what, what it means to me to be an American is to stand up, and as a warrior as well, is to stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. And <laughs> let me tell you something. I, I, I'm, more than, I'm, I'm more than honest with saying that if a black man was going to be shot down and a white man sta- stood in front of him, they wouldn't shoot. So it's one of those things that, like, we need to stand together the same way that, that white America stood with the, with, with, the, with the Jewish Americas against the Nazis. 
It's mm-hmm. the way that uh, Martin Luther King went with Selma, Selma, Alabama, walked across the bridge. We walked together as people. And it doesn't make any sense to me why people would go against that. I understand people have their own point of view and what have you, but to go against that and be angry against that, it doesn't make a, a lot of sense. Go ahead. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, I am um, speaking to your show. I think it's great. You're giving people the opportunity to speak their minds. It's interesting to me that people who hate and who insult and who demean often do not have the courage to stand up and let their opinions be heard by the masses. They will right. target their hate, focus it in, and they'll say it to you, but they're not going to have a radio show where they come out and they speak their piece and allow themselves to be placed on the firing line, which is what you've done. You know, they, they oftentimes it's, it's, it isn't that courageous to have an insult that you can hurl at someone on Instagram when you're hiding behind the moniker, bad man, one, two, seven, you know, I mean, that, that to me, those words and comments are really insignificant because if you are a person of strength, if you are a person of honor, and again, this goes back to, to the martial code of ethics, stand in front of your opponent, stand in front of your foe and right. address your grievance with them and then have the discourse or take the steps necessary to affect change in that regard. So I, I just want you to know that I respect you. I respect the man you are, that you've always been, that you continue to be, and that there will be people who, there will be people who hate. And I know it because I've experienced it. I've experienced it with my family, with my family in tow. And I did nothing more than walk down the street. And, um, and so there are always going to be people who hate. And the sad thing is, again, using the workout analogy, I have, I have been training to deal with that for my entire life. So now well, it's something that you, you are, you are a real warrior. You know, something I've always known about you is that you're oh, thank you. one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you today is that you're, you're not a martial artist. You know, that's a different, it's a different title. You're a real warrior. And we've talked, we've talked about this several times um, because you fight for what you believe in. You fight for people who don't have the ability to fight for themselves you defend those who don't have the ability to fight for themselves. You articulate for those who can't articulate for themselves. You speak up for people who, who don't have a voice. You are a true warrior. I respect you and I love you. And I really wanted you on today so you can teach other people. You know, because I'm not, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not as articulate as you. I'm a writer. And I do, I'm a poet and I do a lot of things, but quite honestly, I'm not as articulate as you are. You you are way more articulate than I am. So I wanted to have you on today so you can speak your mind, say what you need to say and and teach people on, on what they needed to understand. Well, thank you. I I appreciate it. Love you. 
You're an incredible human being. You're an incredible warrior. Uh, I thank you for giving me this time. And um, I do believe that we can see better days, but it's, there's going to be a period of, of pain and of growth. And, but that, that it doesn't have to be a bad thing. I, 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 we just, we just cannot go back to the way things were because the way things were, were sublimating and segregating. And we now must move on to find what a new tomorrow really looks like. So thank you for having me on today. Thank you. Before you go, what do you look forward to in the future? Um, I look forward to having my children look at me and tell me that they didn't have to have the same conversations with their kids that I had to have with mine. That's what I'm looking forward to. That sucks. That's, that's what I'm looking forward to. And I think, I think we can get there. I think we can get there. Do you um, think so? It is. It is. I do. I I have a lot of faith in the American experiment. I have a lot of faith in the human condition. I do believe that good will out. I do not. I do not subscribe. You know, we we talked. A, we've talked a lot about the human human experience and the American experiment, but it hasn't worked out quite all that well so far. I mean, it's been quite chaotic and uh quite honestly there, there's been so much polarization and in, in the past four years i'm just going to say it that way that yes i, I don't I, I i just don't know I, I don't know unless people go out and vote i'll be honest but as as nietzsche said out of chaos comes order and you are not going to be able to affect change unless people are uncomfortable. And now, time for everyone to be uncomfortable. Everyone. Nobody, nobody gets a pass on this. It's, it is like the pandemic. I think there is a reason why this maelstrom has happened with the strength and the force and the, the impact that it has. You have 40 million people right now who are unemployed, who are looking at their lives and wondering about the, the, the weight and stock and importance therein. And they now don't have a job to return to. So they right. are forced to take an introspective look at who they are and at what they are doing and where their life choices have placed them. No one is comfortable right now. And I right. think that that's, that is going to ring out as the truest clarion call for change because we need to find a way to bring ourselves up out of this. And I believe we can. I have a deep-rooted faith in the inherent goodness of man. Right. I do too. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles, for being part of the show today. Thank you for sticking your neck out. There, there have been... There haven't been a lot of people who've wanted to be on the show, who wanted to stick their neck out, and who want you know a lot of people think their career is going to be over <laughs> if they speak their mind. 
Um, but you've never been so docile or so, so, so ignorant. You've always been so intelligent and in, in knowing where life takes you. I, pre- I appreciate you being on the show today and, and spreading your wisdom with our audience today. You know, and I'm telling you, people from Chile, from Russia, all across the world, they are listening right now because i've looked at the i've looked at my 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 systematics in in my paperwork and i see what countries are listening to us and it doesn't matter if america is listening to us first but so many countries are listening to us now and that's what's important is that everybody is listening to us that is what is important and to know that we are this is this this needs to be what we address. It can't just be something left to them because the them, the they are those who have always been disenfranchised and that can no longer be the case. Right. Right. Thank you, Charles. Thank you so much. And uh, I hope you enjoy your celebration this, this, uh, this day today. And I hope you tell your family that I, that I love them very much. And I appreciate them being here on this earth and being part of my family as well. And, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you. I certainly will. Be well. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Charles. Here you go. Here's your clap. <laughs> thank you. There you go, my friend. See you soon. Keep doing the work. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. You listen, if you're listening right now and you're part of my team of friends and people that, that I love and that I care about, part of my Instagram group, to my stunt group, to my acting group, I hope you do not, I sincerely hope you do not take offense at what we said today. It was pure emotion and frustration and articulation of what was going on today. It was not pointed or directed at one or any particular person. I guarantee you that one, by the way. I love you all. I care for you all. I want you all to understand that the most important thing that happens right now is that we get together as a group. And we understand together as a group. I don't care how you stand up for this point of view. I don't care. Nobody cares. Stand up for what is right. Be on the right part of history. Speak truth to power. Defend your country. Defend each other. Be the right person. Be the person you always wished you could be. And to that one person who I don't know who you are, who is offended by what I said, who thinks I was speaking about you, I was not. It happened all through my Kung Fu career where we spoke and one person felt like they were being pointed out. We weren't speaking about you. We were speaking in general. It just, it felt like we were speaking to you because it felt poignant. It felt like it It was your point of view. It doesn't matter to me who you are and what you do and how you stand up for what you believe in. 
Stand up for what you believe in and believe in it. Be kind, be generous, be loving, be sincere. Love one another. Be kind, be generous, be empathetic. And never forget that we will never get through this alone. We can only get through this together. To think we can get through this together is the right way. To think we can get through this alone is the coward's way. I appreciate you all. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. We're going to have a couple more shows of this, of Black Lives Matters, and people who are disenfranchised and people who want to have their voices heard. And I hope to God, I hope that the God that you believe in, I hope to the spirit that you believe in, that you will stay here and you'll listen. You'll listen to the words that they speak. I care about you all, and I think about you guys all the time. All my love to you, and I hope you're safe. Take care of your family. Take care of yourself. May God be with you. I love you all. My name is Steve Pisa. This episode of Forgotten People. Be good, be well.